John B., how are you, buddy? Good, buddy. Good to see you. Uh, likewise, man. Um, what, do you, what are the odds that we can recapture the magic and how fun and how much we were making each other laugh? And Greg was there, too. He was. He was. He was <laughs> available? I'm sure, yeah. I don't care. Uh, but just, just what a disaster that was. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> that guy was, like, trying to be so cool and so pro. And he was sweating, like... <laughs> I felt sorry for him. I felt so fucking bad. Oh, my God. I was, I was eating it up. I mean, in the, in the grand scheme, of, for by the way, we just started recording. For, for people who don't know, we tried to do this podcast in person. It would have been the first in person in a studio in L.A. And we <laughs> were assigned an intern to do the engineering. Oh my and we are lucky he didn't burn the whole building down. This... But, just, but just watching, because in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal. Like... The, the the podcast place kept texting me like we're so sorry it's like that's fine dude it's a right, who, who right. gives a shit <laughs> I'm, at this point i'm just hanging out with uh friends you know but <laughs> but just to watch everything go wrong and just oh. like he was like all right uh it's not it's not recording and then like you and i are just talking and shooting shit and talking shit and then I'd like look over and he's just like, oh, all right. Uh, the computer now has completely melted down. <laughs> then the lights went off. I mean, it was fucking hilarious. Oh, the comedy of error was, was just so, and like, I really appreciate because Cause like he was like, he was trying to be super professional yeah. and he was super cool. I mean, not only that, let's, let's also skip, uh, let, let's go backwards when the room wasn't ready yet. Yeah. And then he was like, and he's, and I could see the terror already in his eyes. Like, it's supposed to be ready. I just don't understand. And then like, <laughs> like having to come back to us and be like, I, 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 I'm so sorry. I, I, I love cringe. Like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Everybody says that their favorite cringe is the office um, episode uh, where they have dinner, the dinner party. Cause it's so cringy. This was like, I mean, this was a, the scene, the, the beads of sweat on this guy's face were mwah, mwah, oh. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was, you know, it is what it is, but uh, I, I wish we would have gotten to do it in person though. It's yeah, I'm, listen, I'm in LA enough that we could definitely do this again soon. I'll actually be in LA probably top of October. Uh, we're actually doing shit with Jam in the Van now, so we're pretty. Oh, nice! About oh, that. excellent! Yeah, yeah. You guys are, are killing it. I mean, um, we should we should just go ahead and plug every every Wednesday Hotel Wilshire up there, uh, stand up New York. Is it now called the Something Damaged Show? <laughs> it's actually moving to Thursdays. <laughs> okay, we're moving to Thursdays, and we're going to be alternating between um, the Wilshire and also um, we'll be over at Nightcap in Burbank. Oh, very so nice. We're yeah. yeah, so we're pretty excited about that. You know, the cold weather comes in. Last November, I was in LA, and you know, being was it twelve floors up or six floors up or whatever, how many mm -hmm. floors? Plus, with the wind, uh, with uh, you know, like November and December coming, I just don't think that you know rooftop shows will really have a chance at this point. I think we're gonna have to kind of repivot, and yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy what's going on in New York right now and across the country with school's reopening and i mean it's going up i mean i don't know what that means but right it's it's a little nerve-wracking it's it's tough i mean you guys are having there in new york 
um, with like vac. So you have to have a vaccine card to get into a show now. So technically, yes, but also you can also show a negative COVID uh, test, a negative COVID. Um, what is it? Uh, yeah, negative COVID test 24 hours prior to your arrival, okay. which is, I mean, there are some people that are unvaccinated um, because of choice, or maybe they also, they have underlying issues that they can't get vaccinated. Right. So this gives them the opportunity as well. I will tell you the COVID va- uh, uh, testing stations are readily available there's one on 72nd that like people like literally they'll come at 7 30 for an eight o'clock show and they'll be like oh mom i i, I don't have a fact well they walk to 72nd within 25 minutes they have their negative and it's free as well yeah i mean it's 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 i went to see Chappelle um a couple of months ago and it was actually faster than Chappelle's. i mean granted i mean I'm not saying Chappelle had a little slower service but like we're at the point where this rapid testing is pretty rapid. Yeah. Well, that still won't placate uh, the trolls and the people who think that somehow you're supposed to carry on with life by shutting everything down. And Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, listen, I, I personally, I don't want to shut down again. I have no desire to. There is a little bit of me that, you know, sometimes I say to myself, we should just kind of muscle up. You know what I mean? Like if you get 100%. sick, you get sick. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I personally, and I, I completely understand the beliefs of people that don't believe in the vaccine. And mm-hmm. I get that, that like, you know, and we make fun of them, but there are some of them that are just very wary of it. You know, there are a lot of people in the African-American community that exactly. are very wary of it from the Tuskegee experiments. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Operation Warp Speed was fucking great, but I mean, how great was it? Let's see. I, I mean, listen. Um, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm a. Uh, I'm a. I'm a I, I run a business, and right. you know, as of right now, my my sales have slumped a little bit since everything. So um, I need to. I need to placate both, uh, obviously, but I also have to follow New York standards. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you just said. I'm of two minds, which is, I'm tor- If somebody doesn't want to get vaccinated. I 100% support that. I don't think we can live in a free society where they're starting to say, hey, you got to get this shit in you. Absolutely. But having said that, let's let's move let's move on. Like we got I think we adopt a well, good luck policy, you know, and it's like open shit up. Like, what are we doing? And people are acting people are acting like. You know, now that's like, well, I, I people have vaccines, but they're getting sick. It's like we knew this. We knew that, that that would be the case. They're just not getting hospitalized and they're definitely not dying. So let's move on with society. And, you know, if somebody doesn't want to get vaccinated, you know, again, good luck. Maybe they'll come around. Maybe they won't. I don't know. I've been poked, jabbed, brainwashed, whatever you want to call it. I do keep saying to my wife, it will be it would be hilarious if they were right. Like in a year from now. <laughs> If a year from now, like our eyeballs fall out or like we yeah. just start like, oh, it was like the vaccine and they're all just like everyone in Virginia and Alabama is just like, told you. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, what's funny is so that funny. there's a bunch of there's a bunch of people and they say uh, they said, you know, uh, the government should be telling us what to put in our bodies. And it's like, have you ever like in the military, you go and you get like six to seven shots at once yeah. before you're deployed anywhere. And yeah. they don't fucking tell you what it is. Um, there's a great TikTok. There's a guy named Patrick Lawler who had a uh, TikTok about that. 
uh, is a New York-based comedian. And he got some backlash from, from a lot of people. But the, I mean, listen, as of right now, am I feeling like a zombie and want to eat brains? No. Do I feel <laughs> a little bit more confidence when I'm in a large group and I know that, hey, listen, if one of these fucking losers has it, at least I know that I'm going to be, you know, in my queen bed for fucking, you know, two weeks uh, yeah. and not in the hospital on a respirator. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, yeah. And I come from a family of medical professionals and, you know, it is confusing whether just like people are just so stupid, just take the vaccine. I was like, people don't want to, like they're nervous. Yeah. And I, and listen, it's not, it's not a matter of me saying like, Oh, you know, let's, 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 you know, let's just have a whole Darwinist mind of thinking it's like it's their right they don't want to do it you know it's 100 percent the right yeah yeah there's a there, there's a couple people in my town that have not been vaccinated and they haven't gotten sick but they don't also you know they don't bring themselves to do these things they don't go into new york city they don't go into subway cars you know they don't go to church you know what i mean they stay at their right. houses and you know they're being safe about it and yes yeah. if you live in montana and you haven't seen anybody in three weeks you could be like you fuck, go fuck yourself i'm fine yeah. you know like exactly you just don't get to do the things and listen yeah does it suck that maybe in the next couple of months you'll probably have to like show something uh like like an excelsior card or your vax card to go see a movie yeah and if you don't want to get faxed then you don't have to but also we're giving people have the option that they can also get this negative COVID testing as well which is fine but what is fun are the people that are fucking with the fake fax cards yeah that's yeah. fucking money i i knew that was going to be something <laughs> and <laughs> i i got mine over at the metlife stadium and basically they fucking just hire these temps to kind of like get all your information mm -hmm. they walked away he had a stack of vax cards and i was like <laughs> and i grabbed it and i said to myself no one's gonna fucking know like and then i could just start selling these things yeah yeah and now it's a thing now it's a thing and i'm like fuck ah yeah this country the one thing we still do well is open up new markets if something happens it's like oh i can find a way to get around this and sell it <laughs> yeah. it's so great we're so one thing we still do well lord knows we can't make a fucking decent cup of coffee i'm i'm oh, sorry I'm, no. I'm in a little bit of a, a rough mood it's better now because we're talking shit and having fun but right well, what I, happened? well, I made the mistake of leaving my apartment. Um, L.A. is crumbling. It's literally falling apart. And I live in a particularly white area. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no. I, like, a, like an area that is slid down really fast, like from really? the pandemic. Yeah, I live um, uh, like Hancock Park, Mid Wilshire area. And... The first thing I did, I was like walking to go get coffee before this. And I got to the corner and I saw a car drive by and they flung a water bottle out the window. They're trying to make a trash can that was there, but they didn't get anywhere near it. So they just littered, just threw a whole, threw a whole water bottle. And my immediate thought was, there's not enough mass shootings. Like, <laughs> Like, let's, let's pick it up. We had an off year in 2020. Like, we got to make up some ground. I mean, come on. There's there's stadiums. There's elk clubs. There's uh, there's so many places we can start getting people. There's Trump rallies. Like, there are so many places that <laughs> well, you can those, accomplish. They'll shoot back. I mean, they're, yeah. they're booing Trump. That was amazing. He was like, oh, you know, I think you should get the vaccine. They're like, go shut the fuck up, you fat piece of shit. 
make fun of Pelosi. Do the hits. I mean, like they're literally now like like you know, do taking care of business. I don't want to hear the yeah. new shit. Yeah, nobody wants to hear your fucking new fucking record. (laughs) Bullshit with that. That was like McCartney. McCartney went on stage and did a stadium tour. And he's like, I'm going to play something off my new album. Everybody goes, boo! No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Jude. Yeah, Yeah, let's go, Beatles. More Beatles stuff. Oh, my God. So, wait, they littered on the street. Littered on the street and just kept driving. So, I, I, I walk over and I pick it up, throw it away. Then, I cross the street. Now, I live near... There's two breakfast spots near my place. And the, and the, it's a weird like sign of like how, like one is like brand new and it's amazing. It's called Republique. It's one of the best spots to eat in the city. They have the best uh, breakfast dish, which is a potato pancake that they make that kind of looks like a waffle, but it's like a latka with um, salmon and caviar and red onion and a perfectly poached egg on it I mean, it's it's so and, ch- and dill it's so goddamn oh. good i eat it like twice a week and it's like 30 dollars each it's like i'm just yeah you know, i need some more biden bucks and uh so they're great but they're always packed and it's always like the one thing they're not good at is moving people through so it's there's always a line the other place is called la brea bakery and la brea breaker la brea bakery used to be the the place it used to be republic and was owned by Nancy Silverton, who's a famous uh, chef and baker. And then she sold it a long time ago. And it is just gone downhill. Like, it's 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 awful now. But sometimes it's my only option. Sure. So I went in there because Republic was busy. And I ordered two things. I ordered an ice mocha. And I ordered uh, a ham and cheese croissant to go. And what I got was a coffee with I would say a puddle of oil from an 87 Buick at the bottom and a ham and cheese croissant sans cheese. And I don't know if you've ever had just a ham croissant, but there's a reason why they don't sell them. They're not very, so I I basically came home and saw this and I was like, God, and I just chucked them both. It's like, I can't. Oh, wow. And you're just tossing them, huh? Yeah, I just, I should have just walked in and threw $20 at the cashier and left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yes. then, and then there was to, to top it all off. There's um, we have a lot of uh, homeless people in this area. No, and, no, yeah. But in this area, particular, it's real bad. And we have one. There was one guy across. He's in between the two restaurants. He's on there on the corner, and he's just super insane. Oh, Greg's here. Nice. And he's just yelling at every car. Uh, he's throwing trash. He's uh, he's screaming the N word. He's black, so it's okay. And <laughs> hi, Greg. I'm 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 in the middle of telling of how awful LA mornings are. And uh, and uh, and he's screaming and he's like kind of walking into traffic, like so cars are ducking in and out. And I walk into La Brea Bakery and then I'm just watching him from the window as I'm waiting to order. And so I'm just watching this guy like, <sighs> but I can't hear him because Wilson Phillips hold on is playing in the <laughs> in the cafe and i was like this is what fucking bizarre society we live in like it's great ah dude i mean it's so nuts i mean listen <laughs> do you oh, guys does new york day. yeah 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 <laughs> i'm just picturing 
picturing this thing. This guy is literally mouthing the N-word yeah. and just yelling at cars. He's throwing trash like, at cars. Hold on for one, one more day. day. <laughs> no, this guy should not hold on. Like this, it should be. It should be. Uh, uh, well, well, I'm hoping that this is a little bit more fun uh, uh, for you. I mean, listen, dude. I mean, we, <laughs> Greg, Greg and I, uh, we were talking about it. First of all, after we left uh, the, uh, the studio, we got on scooters and we were bouncing all around the scooters uh, and we were, we were driving the scooters, which is a lot of fun. But we couldn't stop laughing about that engineer. And he's just, <laughs> oh, my God. And like the thing is, like he's he's probably nervous because we're all the three of us are talking, and he probably was like, "Oh my god, they think that we're recording right now!" Like, "Oh my gosh!" Like he's like freaking out, and he has to keep on saying and mentioning, "Hey guys, we're not recording. We're not recording." And we're like, "We understand. We're just fucking having a conversation." That would have been I, I was I didn't catch that part. That would have been a great yeah. bit if we just kept going and be like, "All right, let's go to collars." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you don't have the phone set up? What the fuck is going on here? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> have you um have you been able to watch any concerts uh in LA? Um no, no, not no. at all. No. Oh, man. I I hey, can can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, we can. Oh, all right. I I can't hear anything. Sorry. But you can hear that. All right, cool, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can hear now. I'm good. Everything's good. We're all good. Sorry. Oh shit. No, I I, I need to see a concert. I, I've been I've been seeing like these great like um I think uh Larry Whitmore was at Hollywood Bowl and seeing Earthwind. No, he was watching Cool in the Gang, I think. Which is like, I mean, I would totally just see something right now. I want to see Wilson Phillips fucking live now. <laughs> <laughs> You, know, you can. They're, work, they're you can. They're working at the coffee shop. They're like, <laughs> was their three. Yeah, it was a fucking open mic morning. Yeah, yeah. They're like, mm. you can't go wrong with that Wilson Phillips song, though. Like, you put that song on anywhere, and it turns into a good time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When the, when we get another alert from our phones that says like North Korea has launched missiles, that's the song I'm putting on. You definitely like, should. And go out, go out with this. Go to any coffee shop and put that song on, and everyone starts singing. It's the, that's that's the '90s equivalent of uh, "Don't Stop Believing" by Journey. <laughs> that's a big. That's a big statement, Greg. That's it, a big statement. Haven't you one. ever seen Bridesmaids? I mean, yeah. Mm -hmm. of the 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 bridesmaids ends on that wedding, and then everybody in in the entire cast and the whole thing singing in unison. Hold on, by Wilson Phillips. Mm -hmm. You know they're called spoilers. All right, Greg. I just don't understand. <laughs> yeah, I know. I spoiled a fifteen-year-old movie. Sorry. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> I think you're gonna tell me that fucking Titanic sinks at the end. Jesus. <laughs> I think you might be onto something because I I think what both share in common is. I don't know if I'm liking it ironically anymore. Like it's been around for so long. Like I'll sing it and I'll be like, am I, wait, am I making fun of myself? What am I doing here? Like, why am I singing this? No, we, but, but we have a thing. I like shitty things. I love shitty things. I love shitty television. I watch things like Madam Secretary and I watch uh, Blue Bloods. 
I like shitty food like McDonald's. I will go and order a pina colada at a bar. Do you know what I mean? Like I, it's not ironic with me. I just, I, I am a shitty person in general. So mm. I just don't mind it. I mean, I will be honest on my Spotify is Wilson Phillips. Mine too. I'm oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're not doing this ironically. No, no, no. I don't think so. I'm, I'm like you, John. I like, because also I like, I love Las Vegas. So my, my reason for loving Las Vegas besides my addiction to gambling is that it's like one, it's the best pe- That's where the people go. Like the, the, you want to watch that. You're like, Oh my God, how does this, this person's in two scooters. Like how do they, <laughs> how do they live their life? You know? But the best thing about Vegas is that it's all like, it's such a great microcosm of human existence. Like we came from the water and then we're monkeys or whatever you want to believe. And then we build societies. And then what do we do? We make miniature societies. Like we, like we build a city with small Paris and small New York and, and being a hayseed from the Midwest. I know these people. A lot of those people are like, I don't need to go to Paris. It's right here. I'm looking at the Apple right here. <laughs> like that mind frame exists. That's why I fucking love Las Vegas. You know, there's there's one of the, one of the things I love, and most of my close friends know this about me is, I I'm obsessed with miniatures, right? So like, yeah, miniature I'm obsessed with, right? So and I went through this stage where I was collecting miniatures. So I would like almost like a cool train set where you'd put like a little village together of all the miniatures. Mm-hmm. I I was buying like miniature cars and. Um, like houses and miniature hard rock cafes and all like ridiculous, stupid shit. Right. And when, and it, it all stems back from when I was a little kid, my father worked for a company that had its base in a small town in Austria. And this town was famous for their miniature city. So their like amusement park was an enormous miniature city of everything from the entire world. So it would have all the US landmarks, all the European landmarks, the Great Wall of China as a major city. And you would Jesus. walk through it. So you would walk through the Great Wall of China and you'd be hovering over it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't know. I'm sorry for interrupting. Austria is the one, the scariest place I've ever been. Really? It was the most unset. Really? Yeah, I was on tour with the band and uh, we stayed in Austria. I can't even remember the town. It was like a ski place. It was just it, the fact of how quiet it was. Right. And then just like ominous bells, like every hour. <laughs> but I couldn't tell where they were coming from. So I would just hear like, dong. The, I, the, dong. Best, the best. The Undertaker just pops up. And I was like, I'm not playing. I don't see a tower anywhere. Where is this coming from? <laughs> the, to this day, the best fettuccine carbonara I've ever had was in Austria. Really? What? <laughs> yeah. To this day. Now it could be that I was just 13 years old and didn't know any better. Yeah, but, you were in Applebee's. What are you but, doing? No, 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 no. I, I, I would go walking around this town alone um, because we spent a lot of time there, and I would just walk around and I would go eat. And I just remember going to the same restaurant to get the fettuccine carbonara like every day for like weeks on end. Damn. I mean, yeah. what, what? I have a buddy who says that his best steak that he ever had was at an Applebee's, and I never believed. My it. mother would, my mother would attest to that. Best steak is Applebee's. She, I mean, I'm not saying that she—that's what she absolutely feels, but she would definitely go on record saying that she enjoys the Applebee's, Chili's, Outback Steakhouse steaks. Oh, really? 
Yeah. Would your friend, to... your friend, what temperature were they getting the steak? <laughs> I think he was uh, medium on that. Okay, because I was like, if he's like, and it was mid rare, it's like, well, you do know how to order a steak. <laughs> so I would yeah. be like, oh, maybe it was that good. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second, you were on tour. You were on you 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 toured with bands, Mike. Yeah, I would. Um, yeah, I would tour with bands. I would play bass, but I would also open doing comedy. So we did that, huh. like, so we, I was like the opening act. So I went all over the country and then we went to Europe and I did, I did, uh, it wasn't as successful in Europe because we'd play like a, uh, I mean, the band was, the band was actually French. It was like a French post-punk band, oh. but they didn't get the comedy. So I, I, we, we played like a small village in France and nobody spoke English and uh, the bar owner you know, the bar owner was like, no, you should still do comedy. They'll love it. And I was like, they don't understand what I'm saying. They're like, it doesn't matter. So I just would go up there and just do my act to just people just like not understanding a word. Are you, are you then sure I was, this actually happened and this wasn't like an LSD trip? You know, at this point, if you, you weren't here for the earlier part of my story. It could all be an LSD trip. I might be, I might have died a long time ago. And this is what happens. And you just constantly... Uh, but yeah, like I would go to Germany and do it. I would just doing comedy in Germany sucks because they're Does the German, most... do Germans get humor? Because like German humor, like is like a that was one area. Anissa Anissa Manali, she's this German comedian. Um, she seems to be doing well, but like there hasn't been anybody like there's no like greats from Germany, you know, right, as far as yeah. comedy's concerned. It's just a dry country, I guess. I mean, obviously there's a lot of things that they're not out of but <laughs> and one thing is that they can't tell a joke <laughs> they're like we can't it's it's actually <laughs> we killed all of our writers <laughs> they're banned from jokes that was part of the, that was the deal they were banned from making jokes. <laughs> oh my god i mean in, uh, in, a way, in a way they kind of were because they weren't a, what was the, the thing like they weren't even allowed to talk about the think, nazism yeah, think, or anything yeah. nazism like you're not allowed to, on, a, on a on a scale you're not supposed to talk about it the nazi symbol has been banned from everything over there mm -hmm. but like they don't even talk about their history um, yeah even if you're like driving through um Patton oswald has a pretty decent bit about going through germany oh yeah yeah, and, like, yeah. and asking about it but but there's but i can only imagine there's that family guy uh, cut away they're like nothing happened from 1940 to 1950 we're all on vacation <laughs> <laughs> well they i can i can only say that they didn't get me and they're very honest people so they'll like <laughs> like just the ultimate flop sweat like they're not laughing and then afterwards i go off the stage and they're like you look li like one of them said like you look like you should be on stage but i it wasn't funny <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> they're like you look like a comedian but it what i didn't find it funny and i was like okay thanks so, so you got thank you there. Can we keep our troops here for another 50 years <laughs> You're not funny, but you're funny looking. Oh, God. <laughs> Imagine what they would say about us, John. Uh, yeah, well, one, I don't think I'd be allowed on stage. Uh, <laughs> uh, but in general, I, I would love to bring our show uh, abroad. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know where it would do well. I mean, it doesn't seem to do well in L.A., so let's see what New York brings. <laughs> so what do you what do you guys think of this? Is, this I 
been dying to ask this. What do you guys think of LA audiences? Like doing comedy out here versus New York? Because, you know, John and I met because I went to Idaho to do the, the fest and the people I bonded with the most were all from New York. I was like, I was like, I love these people. Right. These people seem great. Maybe I'm just like rose colored glasses, but they all seem tight, you know? And, we, and then I all, fo- I followed them all on Instagram. They all followed back, which is not a thing that happens in LA. Everyone in LA thinks that they, their Netflix special is coming out next week. So they don't need you. Right. Yeah. But everyone in New York, it's just a completely different attitude. It's a completely different everything. And so I'm, I'm, I'm curious to what you guys think. Because I, I think said, audiences out here suck. I'll be honest with you. I, I've said it a couple of times. I'd like to hear Greg on that one, to be honest. I'd, I'd really like to hear your thoughts on it. You know, I I don't know what I think. Because I used to think, you know, I, I come from a, a fan's perspective, right? So when I go see comedy, I still see it. You know, I'm looking at it as a comedy fan, not someone that's in the business of booking shows and promoting and all that stuff. So when I'm in L.A., you know, pre-pandemic, it was it was two things. It was always chock full of tourists, mainly. Right. Because of, you know, Mm -hmm. the comedy store and and all those places, it's just, you know, a thing to do. So, you know, you get a lot of that. So it's almost like fake. Right. It's like not a it's not a real comedy audience. I think right. in New York, where you certainly depending on what club you're going to, you're getting a mix of some of the tourists. But I, I think you're getting people in New York who are more, you know, like aficionados of comedy that that actually are there to see comedy and and laugh most of the time. Where in L.A., it's kind of like I'm going to the show because Whitney Cummings is on the show or yeah. Joe Rogan's on the show or, or something like that, which was very <laughs> evident at one of the shows we did in L.A. It was, a, I mean, one of the hot, you know, most, well, most attractive audiences I've seen in any one place at any one time. But they definitely weren't there because they were, you know, big comedy fans. Yeah. I think I, I think that's fair. Yeah. No, no. Go ahead, John. No, I I agree with Greg on this hundred uh, percent. I think uh, when it comes down to comedian uh, uh, comedy fans out in LA and shows, I think specifically in the Los Angeles market, if you're not doing comedy in a regular place, and and I think that I think this could be a test as well to Supernova when it first started, was that people came out not to see comedy and not to laugh, but to see a famous person. You know yes. what I mean? That what was the next thing that was going to be Instagrammable for them? I think when it comes down to the store, um, you know, people that go to the store, they're there to laugh. Uh, I've, I've heard the the, the echoing of, of laughter during the pandemic when I was there and people were outside, they wanted to see comedy. Mm-hmm. When you go to Laugh Factory, it's almost like what headliner is going to be there? Improv, what headliner is going to be there? It's a yeah. very certain set of who's going to be there. Um, LA shows in general, uh, I think the audiences a lot of the time are people that are even even the LA audience like they don't laugh because they want to be shown as there's something in the industry. Greg had this great uh, Greg. I remember Greg and I were outside of the hotel Kimpton and we were talking and he's like, "You spend money on a car and after mm-hmm. the car, it's your food. And after food, it's where you live." Right, Greg? Is that what like, you said? For the most part, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean, like it's it's a status symbol that you know people want to be looked at a certain way. Um, even by talking to audience members um, when we were running shows in West Hollywood, 
It was, oh yeah, I work for so-and-so company just looking for people. Nobody could just be out there to have fun and have a good time. There was always yeah. some sort of networking thing behind them. Comedians, and I don't know where your listing base is, but in my experience, LA comedians, if they didn't come from New York, um, 90% of them uh, are very clicky. Um, I, mm -hmm. I have not seen... And uh, they do the same act, and the act is to what's going to get them their next big thing. Yeah. Um, there are a couple comedians that I hold pretty close to my heart that mm -hmm. I enjoy that are from L.A. and were raised in L.A. Well, not raised, but started their career in L.A. Mm. that can transcend. Um, but it's very, very rare. Um, and I'm not just hawking on New York's dick because I'm from New York. There definitely is a semblance there because... I was at even I was at Poncho's and I love Dan O'Clark runs a great room over there, but I can even see some of, with some of the comedians over there, you know, comedians kind of lurching on to, you know, like I went to that show to see Laurie Kilmartin. Mm -hmm. Laurie Kilmartin is one of my favorite comedians, formerly from Terrific. New York. Yeah. You know what I mean? Came out to LA obviously with Conan and everything like that. She's amazing, but you could see like, instead of asking the pro, where you, what you'll see in New York is people be like hovering over that pro and be like, hey, really love your stuff. You know, um, could you watch my set? They're actually hanging out with the person that I don't feel is a very strong comic, but happens to have a lot of Instagram followers and TikTok mm -hmm. followers. And that's what they want. And I get it. Broussard was on uh, You Up With Nikki Glaser uh, a couple of months ago or about a year ago with Pete Lee. And Pete had said how he moved to L.A. Matthew said, um, you move to New York to get better at comedy. You move to L.A. to get worse at comedy. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I, I will say that I've seen, I, I, I've seen comics that have done the three-month stint. When they came back to New York, they were sloppy. They were absolutely sloppy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm processing everything that both of you guys said. I think you're, I think you're both right on the money, from the clickish part to like, because like the, I don't know how it is with, uh, you know, stand up New York and the stand and the comedy seller, but it does seem from an outsider's perspective that yes, that yes, like at any moment in the cellar you can see Chris Rock or Chappelle or whoever, but it is an incubator for new talent as well, just as much, sure, and, and, or the stand. Sure. And okay. here, here it's not, and maybe the pandemic has really altered that, but like the store isn't like that. The fact, uh, the laugh factory is not really like that. The improv certainly isn't like that anymore. And especially when you read about <clears throat> the history of these clubs, it was like, well, it used to be like that. That's how you got everybody. Yeah. You know, you used to just give stage time to anybody. And then uh, Mitzi Shore would be like, yeah, he's great. You know, bring him back, you know? Yeah. She didn't say that to me. She she told me get the fuck out, uh, which is a long, depressing story. But it's not even a long story. It's a short story. I just said it. She looked at me and was like, "Get out!" Oh um, my god. Uh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> well, so it's, I, I should put some context to it. I I was young and I was, uh, you know, when you're younger, you have way more confidence than you should and arrogance and stuff. And I was I was in the green room. I don't even know how I got on this show, which is another thing when you're young. You can just show up and be like, can I do this? And people are like, yeah, you know, and it's like nobody wants to fuck me. I'm just going to be on the show. <laughs> and uh, 
So I was like on a comedy store show and I was sitting in the green room and it just felt like every comic was doing the same material and it was kind of hacky and the audience was loving it. And in my head, I was like, you know, I I had all this prepared stuff and I was like, you know what, fuck this. I I don't want to entertain these people. And I just went on stage and uh, berated the audience. And then I got in the audience and I'm like, I'm like walking around with them and roasting people or whatever. And it just became this like melee of ridiculousness. And I, and I went, I went to the back of the room. They finally were like, all right, we're bringing someone else on. And I went to the back of the room and I was like in a fog and I was like, why did I do that? And I just heard, you should respect the stage. And I just looked over and there was Mitzi Shore. And I was like, that's not good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, complacency is something that always happens, uh, specifically with comedy clubs. Um, I will be, you know, fuck it. I, I'll be the first to say it. If you look at a, at the at the sellers lineups right now, mm-hmm. the sellers lineups are what my lineups were two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they have taken on some. Um, finally, have taken on some amazing new talent. Not only that, they're also running four or five rooms uh, out there right now. But there is no incubator really anymore. Um, mm. it's tough to, you know what I mean? Because we all want to be incubators. And I, 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 deep down in my heart, I think that the owners, you know, you know, the, you know, David specifically over the stand, God rest his soul. Um, you know, Gnome, uh, you know, the guys over at New York comedy club, Sam York, we want to be incubators for that next great talent. The problem is, is that nobody's coming out to see new talent. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The reason people watch America's Got Talent is because they don't want to see the people win. They want to see the people that fail. And I don't have the time for that. And I need to put on these big names. I mean, I'm booking three shows a week at this point. Everything else is produced because we need to make money from the pandemic. I book a Friday, 8 p.m. show, Saturday, 8 and 10 p.m. show. But the rest of the nights are all booked up by other people. But are we putting the next new talent up there? Yeah, I've got a new crop of people that I'm working with and developing. But if Melissa Villasenor or Punky Johnson wants to jump up on stage, am I going to say no? Absolutely not. Am I still booking your Brian Scott McFadden's and your Aaron Berg's? Um, yeah. Would I love it if Marina Franklin came by a little bit more? Absolutely. But what I always tell, and I, I had a conversation with the staff, they're like, yeah, sometimes the comics just are late. And I was like, then put somebody else up. If somebody mm-hmm. calls me and says, hey, John, I can't make my spot tonight. You know what? There's going to be six people sitting at that bar that are willing to take your spot. They may not be as funny as you, but maybe they're going to br- they're going to break that audience. And yeah. you know what? Nine times out of ten, they pretty much do. New Yorkers just have a – I mean, the people that want to hang and want to be discovered a lot of times, I would say nine times out of ten New York, they're pretty decent comics, and they can break – and they can make your audience laugh. Mm-hmm. So how did you guys – Meet. How, I was listening to the pie. Yeah, Jimmy Schubert on with it, which I loved. Uh, so listen, what'd you say? Grinder. Um, Grinder. Oh, Grand nice. Daddy. It was actually yeah. that, that's John's being nice. It was a rest area on the Garden State Park. <laughs> the, ori- the original Grinder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I'm five, I'm twenty feet away. <laughs> Shine the lights. Shine the lights. Oh fuck! You know why that's funny is because I've had that happen before. Is that I was 
texting i was on i was on the app and i remember the guy was like we were at a bar and he goes i'm right over here and (laughs) (laughs) sorry greg (laughs) i mean we met i i honestly i was introduced to donnie the owner of skin up new york from a a very close friend of mine and uh he in turn put me in touch with not even John at the time, a, a girl, I forgot who it was about trying to put together some shows and then just went in one day and me and John talked and then the fucking pandemic happened. <laughs> and John gave me a show that has been postponed now 41 times from the pandemic. And um, that was it. We just struck up a good friendship over over some time during the pandemic. John was actually on my, my last podcast like a year ago and um at some point we decided to start promoting shows together like towards the fall right john it was like last fall yeah i mean new york was shut down and uh uh our first option was either new jersey was taking student of new york uh so the next best place was connecticut actually greg was running this amazing show out of a place called pinstripes and i wanted to capitalize on it because again and, and Greg can attest to this, we were looking for new talent. Yeah. The mm-hmm. one thing that we were able to do during the pandemic, even these shows was like, I was able to, you know, put, you know, Mike Kaplan, you know what I mean? Uh, Dante Nero, I was able to put uh, Ronnie Chang and all these great comedians, Judy Gold on stage, um, quote unquote, in the parks, but the new talent saw nothing from them. So mm-hmm. this was a great opportunity and we found some really good people. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I think, you know, we started doing this new, um, we ran a contest, you know, Connecticut comedy contest, but it was people from the city, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island. And it was really great. Like we found some really good talent that John now passed and are working pretty regularly at the club. So John, as a booker, what do you, what are you looking for? Like what is, there's gotta be some sort of tentpole characteristics. Sure. Um, you know, it, it, it's what works in, and, and any booker will tell you this, what works in our rooms, in my room. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, Greg hit the nail on the head a couple of, uh, you know, lines ago. You know, there is this kind of um, crowd that knows what they want in New York City. In the Upper West Side, it specifically is a uh, avant-garde crowd. You know what I mean? They know what's funny. Um, they will appreciate things, but they're the same type of people that will also come to me and be like, Hey, saw this comedian. Uh, he's great, but using the same material. So what I look for is something original. Um, I have a large Jewish population in my area, Mm -hmm. um, in the upper West side. Um, a lot of them Orthodox, some of them reform, but Jewish comedy does very well. Um, woke comedy does very well, uh, as, uh, in, in, in our room as well. Uh, because it is the Upper West Side. It is a liberal area. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been working uh, fairly well is, um, you know, le- the, the, the whole loud comedy doesn't work as well anymore. They need something a little bit more poignant. Um, I'm sorry, real quick, what do, you mean, what do you mean by loud comedy? I mean, I think I know, but I just uh, hammer, hammer comedy, that home. I, I mean, these are people that are over the top and in your face and, you know, they're almost like uh, bar mitzvah DJs. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure, trying yeah. to, like trying to get you out of your seat and having a good time. Um, that works to some extent. Uh, one of my new favorite hosts right now 
His name is Chase DeRoso, and he is from Houston. He's fantastic. Like, he's got that same bar mitzvah DJ energy, but he does this great thing where sometimes he brings audience members on stage to introduce the next comic. But he's also able to, like, he has this great clip that's just out there where there was a piano accompanying it, and he was able to kind of freestyle a rap about the next comedian that was going out there. Um, nice. Experimental works very well. People like Daniel Simonson, who is not experimental, but a very, one of the driest comedians you will ever have, ever hear, will mm -hmm. work uh, there. Chris Gethard does extremely well at our mm -hmm. club. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because some of the stuff that used to not work there suddenly works. Like Berbiglia infamously used to bomb every time he was at our club. Uh, back in the uh, early 2000s. Um, John Mulaney um, was not passed at our club um, when he came into New York City. Um, Pete Holmes was, but John was not. Um, so it's very interesting to see how everything is shuffled, but I will find some things that are just not for me. Um, you know, there's some, some, a lot of humor that doesn't, that's not for me is, I, I personally don't like raunchy humor, but I okay. know it works, you know? Uh, sex humor is something that I think is is fine, but like sometimes I, for me, it's over the top. But I know that for a ten o'clock show on a Saturday, it's gonna kill. Yeah. So I don't book for what I like. I mean, if you could really look through a litany, there are some comedians that, I mean, Jay Jordan was somebody who I didn't, I knew he was gonna be like a big star, but I he wasn't comedy for me for when he first started. Um, now his jokes are more eloquent um and there there, there there's a lot more references to him that i like i mean one of my favorite comedians of all time is dennis miller and i know that's so dude oh. no you're you're in the right uh podcast my friend <laughs> yeah you're on the, i fucking loved dennis miller when i was a kid and i yeah. I've, I've always told people like when i would watch snl and he was doing weekend update i would write down his references so by monday like, you know, when you're at school lunch and everyone's like, do you watch this? Like, I could say like, oh, I know who Esmeralda Marcos is or like, yeah. I get the shoe joke, you yeah. know? And I don't yeah. even remember, how, like, how the fuck did I even look this stuff up? Like, we didn't sure. have the internet. Like, I remember uh, one of the references that I wrote down was when he was talking about bombing, uh, bombing the, uh, what do you call it, Iraq. And he said that, let's make, let's make Saddam's palace look like Superman's dad's house. And I was like, I remember the crowd erupted. And I was like, what is that? And I asked my dad with the reference. He's like, well, in Superman, like uh, Christmas, uh, you know, like the Superman's dad's uh, house was all made of glass. And I was like, I don't get it. And he goes, when you drop fire on sand, it creates glass. And I'm like, that's the smartest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was so, legit yeah. good. He was legit yeah. good. But again, like somebody that rants on like that, like, you know, I'm actually wearing their shirt right now, like called Uncancelable. You know, somebody like, uh, and I don't agree with a lot of his comedy sometimes, but Gino Bisconti, his rants can sometimes be hilarious, but it does not work in my room at all. Mm. Um, I love the guy to death. I think he's a great dude. I mean, sometimes he says things that are, you know, very polarizing and things I don't agree with, but um yeah he's one of those comedians that i can appreciate i can listen to him <clears throat> but do you see him on saturday night yeah, absolutely not <laughs> i don't know how you remember bits i can't remember like i from like 20 years ago i can't remember a bit from 30 seconds ago 
Like, I don't have that memory. If something's like, funny to me, I, it'll it'll stay there. You know what I mean? I remember clips of what people say. I remember what formations of jokes have been. It's it's yeah. it's 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 good for trivia. It's nice to fucking reuse it on the actual comedian. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But it's just something that I pick up. God, I like I could barely remember my social security number. So yes, I completely yeah. understand that. But sometimes things are just so poignant, like. I referenced fucking Broussard on an interview from a year ago. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, it's just one of those things. Um, I, I listen to comedy on a regular. And people don't think that I listen. Like, I don't need to see also your 10-minute set or your 15-minute set. I just need to see one joke or two jokes of it, and I kind of get a, I get an understanding of what, sure. who you are. Do you know what I mean? So no, That's interesting, yeah. I guess so, not, yeah. Some, but you know what? And and Candy, Candy Claire, who is the who books for uh, New York Comedy Club, um, she didn't teach me that way. She taught me to watch the whole set. But I am, I guess, I'm in that whole generation now that watches thirty second clips and sixty second clips. Yeah, because that's what everything is now. It's all under. It's like you gotta, you know, you get to watch one minute on Instagram or Twitter or something, and you know, you got to get it that condensed down because that's what people's attention span is obviously not in the comedy club, but you know, people on their phone, you know, 20 hours a day, you know, you got right. 30 seconds to capture them. Oh, I hate it. When you get those fucking updates of what, how much time you watch, uh, how much time you were on your screens. Oh, Oh, it's brutal. You feel like a fucking miserable piece of shit. <laughs> oh, terrible. I mean, I wrote down earlier, this is true. This happened, John, when you were texting me earlier, you're like, we're still good. And I was like, yeah, when I answered you saying like, it'll be a zoom. I didn't drop my phone for 45 minutes and I like snapped to, I was like, Oh my God, what the, f- I got, I have shit to do. Like, I didn't, I didn't even know what I was looking at. And I, I was like, there needs to be rehab for phones. Yeah. Like you go Ultimately. away for 28 days, no cell phone, no social media, no news. Like you got to get it out of your system. Like, I'm, Can we at I'm, least have booze and coke there? They have that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a different rehab. That's a different way. <laughs> they, they have those things. It's called, like, uh, Camp in the Woods. Oh. Well, like, I can't. Really? I hate, I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't do it either. I, there's no chance I'd ever go camping ever again. Um, I, I, yeah. I at least Spend 10 times a day. Spend all this money day, to be homeless. I know, right? <laughs> I, at least 10 times a day, I'll pick up my phone to, like, do something. Like, to respond to an email that I know I have or a text or something. And... I instinctively go to like Twitter or Instagram or something, get consumed for five minutes, put my phone down, forget what I was actually picking my phone up to do. And that cycle happens repeatedly throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And we know how bad it is. It's not like people like this is for everybody. It's like alcoholics don't just drink and they're like, man, this is bad. I'm going to have like 12 more of these. And then I don't know, probably puke and have another 12. Like we're like, Oh my God, I'm addicted to my phone. And yet we're doing nothing about it. Yeah. <laughs> not, not one thing. It's, it's crazy. And it's like what Greg said, it's like, I don't even remember. It's because of the phone. I can't remember five minutes ago. Yeah. But I can regurgitate Dana Carvey's 1995 stand-up special or da- Damon Wayne's, you know, still standing from the 96 or whatever. See, and like, and like five minutes ago, it's like, what did I do? It's like, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny because my muscle memory like that is, is music related, right? Like mm-hmm. I, if, if you said to me, when was the first time you saw David Lee Roth? I would say, 
October 10th, 1986, Cinderella opened up and I parked in spot J13 at Brendan Burnley. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right? I'm not kidding. And that was like a hell of a show, by the way. <laughs> it was Wait, phenomenal. where was it? Was it at Meadowlands? Brendan Byrne Arena, yeah. That's, oh, that's, shit. That's, that's like an exact. Continental. Not, I didn't make that up. That's that's it. October 10th, 1986 wow. with Cinderella. Uh, I can do that with music and dates. I've seen shit. Like I could probably recite every Grateful Dead concert date and venue and set list that I've been to. But, and it's over 100. But I can't, like, I can't do that with sports comedy anything else like i'm a diehard yankees giants fan and i know the years they've won super bowls and championships but people would be like oh remember that hit chuck knoblock blah 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 and i'm like no man <laughs> but i know they won the world <laughs> series in 96 yeah i have a little bit I, I wish i was better at remembering music like that i actually have a i just wrote this piece for spin about my first jimmy buffett concert uh, which, which i missed because i was having alcohol poisoning in the field parking lot. Um, I heard I those parties like the, the like the Jimmy Buffett fans like up front like like they have like they own the parking lot almost turns into its own Margaritaville. Oh, absolutely! It's insane. It's a lot like dead dead shows. But yeah, uh, I've never been but, to one, but I've heard I've heard that. And we used to go all the time in high school. Um, like I would be I was sixteen when this happened, my first one, and we were just drinking Harry Buffalo and eating mushrooms and stuff. It was just wild parties. And, uh, but yeah, I wish I could remember that stuff better or I do remember it, but I remember it slightly off, which is weird right. to me because another piece I'm working on for them is um, about the, it's called the tale of two concerts. And it's, it's a, it was November, 2001. And I went, I, I brought this up, right. When we were all, not recording that podcast <laughs> <laughs> no i don't think i don't think i remember it, but please um uh it, the same week in november of 2001 i saw the best and worst concert That's yeah right. yes. yeah the I worst remember this yeah the worst being bob dylan just right. hands down terrible right and the best was Britney Spears. And I watched yes. and I watched Britney deliver this CIA approved uh, message to her fans. <laughs> um, but, but doing research about it, I was shocked to find out that I had them wrong. I had them reversed. I actually went to Britney first and then Bob Dylan. And it's weird huh. that I like misremembered that. Right. That is interesting. Was were you were you were you drinking at the time or oh yeah, stone? absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, everything. Yeah. Oh. God. Yeah. So, I mean, selective memory. I could definitely see that. I don't, there are moments I'll talk to like an old band that I was on tour with and I'll, we'll talk about like shows and things like that. And there are some times that they'll be talking about an event and then they'll, and I'll be like, Oh yeah, I remember that. And they'll be like, how you weren't there for that one. And I'll be like, maybe <laughs> I just heard it. Yeah. Yeah. There are, there are, there are some moments of that. Um, I will confuse bits with other comics and I will say, sometimes I confuse bits. When I confuse bits with comics, it's usually two different black comics. That's mm. usually where it goes, because I'm so fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a clip that we're going to promote. <laughs> Snip. Tune in. <laughs> Tune in for more Listen of this. How racist. Let's see how fast Seth Simons fucking picks that up. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's gonna Is be he awesome. blocked you yet? Who? Seth? Oh, I don't even have Twitter. Ah. 
this is how sick I am. I don't even have a Twitter account, and I check. I'm. It's weird. I check. I only check two Twitter accounts. I check Tim Dillon's because Tim yeah. makes me laugh, and then I check Seth to see what his reaction to Tim's tweets are. <laughs> and without fail, and the other thing is like it. It's it's nourishing because Seth constantly tweets Tim's tweets and it's like, look at, it's like, dude, they're jokes. Yeah. You could be uh, a comedy journalist, but I do think the first thing is you have to understand comedy. Right. Um, you know, you're just funny. Can be an bring up two people that I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't like Tim. Oh, interesting. I'm not a big fan of Tim. I think he is funny, but I think him as a person, um, I'm not a big fan of. Okay. Um, but I mean, like, listen, Tim, I'll be cordial with him. I'll be cool with him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Tim is just, I, I don't like his style. Sometimes his attitude, there are some things. And I'll be honest with you, there was a long time that I actually agreed with Seth for a yeah. lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until he started going after us that I kind of was like, all right, this is a little bit gone too far. And, and you know, people can always say, and, and people have, have called me out on that, but like, you're just, you, you like, you're just angry at him because he's going after you. But no, then I started thinking about a lot of things that he was saying. Um, but yeah, is do I think that um, there's a breeding ground for right-wing uh, people in comedy? Yes. Do I think there's also a breeding ground for left-wing on there? Yes, absolutely I do. Yeah. <clears throat> do I think that um, it's our job to block one out or not the other? No, I don't think. I think it's for... Uh, the educated consumer to make their own decisions, you know, right. We're notoriously known that, you know, Gavin, um, uh, what's his name? Gavin McGinnis. Gavin McGinnis actually mm-hmm. started his podcast at our club. Um, sure. One of, his yeah. first, one of his first people on stage and at the studio was Anthony Cumia. Um, do I think that we caused the, the, the riots on january 6th <laughs> no i don't think that's that a lot of dots that's a yeah if is. you're <laughs> if you're a journalist you do kind of have to put those dots together you just can't there's, say it you just can't be like if you read his piece there's a lot of his piece that sounds like the rantings of the my fellow guy like they're one in the same like they're just on separate ends of it um i don't know i i but there are some things that, like, yeah, I have to agree with. Yeah, do I think that sometimes we get uh, that comedians will sometimes get away with things? But yeah, but it's it's up to the audience to make a decision. It's also up to the booker and the ownership. I've had many times that I mean, these guys that I'm, that's on my shirt right now, uncancelable. This is uh, in hot water. It's uh, Aaron Berg and Gino Bisconti. Um, mm-hmm. They are two polarizing comedians who have been called by several news organizations as being a right-wing show um a comedy show but have i had conversations with both of them yeah and you know am i saying that i'm i'm, I'm a hero yes i am absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was the point of this podcast to give you your award for yeah. and you no, were having, but like have i yeah but i haven't had a dots. conversation have i told these comedians before like hey you can't use the word tranny do me a favor don't use the n-word on stage i mean I, I haven't said it to air, but you know, have I had the conversations? And, and let me let me retract a bit. I never told them never to use the N word. They don't use the N word on stage. They're yeah. professionals. But have I said? But have I had to update Aaron Berg's language and using the word tran, uh, using the word tranny over transsexual? Absolutely, I have. Mm-hmm. Um, have I said to him, Yo, I saw that piece that you were on where you were 
you know, slanting your eyes. Was that offensive? Absolutely was. You know what I mean? Have I had those conversations with somebody? Yeah. But have I also been to his house and had dinner with him and his wife and his kid? Yes, I have as well. Um, And that's because life is complicated and it's, and it's, it's varied. You know what I mean? Like I, I bristle at not, not even that I'm, I've never voted for a Republican in my life and never will, but just that a news organization would be like, never. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that speech that Trump just did, didn't make me laugh. I mean, he's better than most comics. Let's just be honest. (laughs) It an insult comic for a president. Um, But just the, just bristling at hearing like, oh, they're doing right wing comedy because you're, the press is underlying right wing as some sort of uh, inherently evil thing. And it's like, well, I mean, they have dumb ideas just like everybody else, but it's like that, that to me is disingenuous of like, they're just doing comedy. And if you don't like it, turn it off. Like just not only that. Yeah. Even we're using the word liberal. If you want to say the word liberal comedy, like liberalism Mm -hmm. is the reason that we can all have a conversation right now with people standing up to Jim Crow laws. That was liberal at the time. Having the right for women to vote was liberal at the time. So utilizing it as this kind of uh, this crutch and, uh, you know, this 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 uh, this uh, insult. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, I'll be honest. I am a card carrying Republican. Um, I'm not shy about telling telling people that um, I wasn't a Trump person. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, do, but do I do I do feel that? You know, sometimes the left has a lot more that, that's a little bit more progressive. Absolutely. Do I think that my party needs to come around? Definitely. Do I let that, do I let my political beliefs uh, cloud me with my judgment on who I book for comedy? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I would never do that. Um, you know, you have to do what's right for your business. Of course. I mean, I had, you know, it's funny. We joked earlier over text. You were like, I'm going to wear a blues, Blue Lives Matter Sure. And I was like, honestly, that would play with my crowd because I've had a handful of openly conservative people on a podcast because I like to talk to everybody and I'm friendly with everybody, which is a product of growing up in the Midwest was like literally everybody is split down the middle and you just go to have a beer and you, you know, you have beers and you have conversations and at the end of it, you're like, ah, you're an idiot, but you slap each other on the back and you know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, but, I still have those moments. You know what I mean? I but mean, the, I the conservative film producer I had on said the exact same thing that you just said. He was like, I'm not making conservative movies. He's like, because that's a bad business decision. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm making movies for everybody, but I have my own personal beliefs. Right. And I agree with a lot of it. Listen, am I a pro-lifer? No. But do I do I own property and want my taxes to be lower? Yeah. And I'll be honest, I don't, uh, actually, I can say this and I can, I'll tell your, I'll tell your listeners and Greg's probably going to get a kick out of this. My local elections, I voted all Republican. Mm-hmm. National election, I actually voted for Booker, uh, Cory Booker, and I did vote uh, 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 for a Democrat for, uh, for a representative seat. Mm-hmm. I feel that those issues are a little bit more important that are on the federal issue that needs to be done by Republicans. But on the local level, yeah, I'm pretty good with uh you know, uh, we're, we're looking at some uh, some lowering on uh, some uh, some teacher salaries and things of that nature. So all about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get looks when I tell people out here, like I one hope Gavin Newsom loses this recall. And people are like, are you out of your mind? And I'm like, are you out of your mind? Look the fuck around. <laughs> you know, like this, this guy, this uh, homeless guy's throwing. I know you're supposed to say unhoused neighbor, by the way. Um <laughs> 
I don't know if that guy that yeah. that term has gone to your coast. What did you say? Not yet, what but I you? heard it the other wait, day. Wait, what did what was that? What did you out say? in Los Angeles because we have such a terrible homeless problem. The the cure to it is to not call them homeless anymore. It's to call them unhoused neighbors. Oh, that's the phrase that makes people feel better. You should make you, should, you feel better if they were uncoupling from their home. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the same. I mean, it's the same phrase. It's so stupid. I want to make a kid's book that uh, is called Bobby's Unhoused Neighbor. And it's about a, a small kid that's like, Mom, Dad, like there's a homeless guy on our driveway who won't leave. And they're like, Bobby, it's Unhoused Neighbor. And then him and the, the homeless person and Bobby become friends and stuff. And then the parents are fed up with it and they call the cops and they haul him away. He's never seen again. <laughs> the follow-up is a young adult where uh, he tells his therapist that uh, he actually experimented with the homeless boy. <laughs> <laughs> you guys just God. described every Rebecca Demornay movie ever. <laughs> Christ. Oh, my God. But I want to go back begrudgingly to Seth for just a second. And I don't want to give him a ton of airtime. No, it's fine. But what, what did he go after you guys about? Because I'm actually trying to think. I feel like there was a few things that he has said that I was like, yeah, that's a good point. You're not doing yeah. it the best way. You're not bringing people in, you know. Yeah. First of all, um, he brings up he brings up people's money a lot. Yes. Which is the tackiest. I don't know how he was raised or how anybody, but, but I was brought up to not bring up money religion politics yeah and that's a great way uh, to just get along with everybody he uh he, he he went after us about uh ppp um mm -hmm. he went on this whole rant that we didn't um we didn't pay our comics ask we didn't pay comics that didn't have credits which was a little bit of my fault on that um the truth of the matter is is that we pay all of our we pay past comedians we pay a host we pay spots we pay headliners. We pay even check spots. We do not pay guest spots, which are usually five minutes to eight minutes long. Um, and we don't pay auditions. Um, if somebody wants to jump on a show, yeah, we, we traditionally don't, don't pay them to do that. Um, mm -hmm. But he did try to kind of nail us on because with the, we were big on Saber Stage. Saber Stage has helped out a lot of small businesses, helped out a lot of comedy clubs all over the city. And um, we got some money through Save Our Stages, but we also got money through another organ, uh, another entity that we have that's called Laugh Pass. Laugh Pass mm -hmm. is a, um, it was a membership service, but uh, for comedy, specifically uh, 32 comedy clubs across the city, uh, across the country, um, that kind of uh, had to be reformatted. But we started, Laugh Pass started doing a lot of uh, shows for specifically, um, country clubs we did shows for you know like places like a soho house uh club and things of that nature so it was based off of that so the idea was that laugh pass gave the accessibility to bring comedy to wherever whether it's your workplace or you know the place that you hang out bar shows so he kind of uh said this thing you know um why why did we make x amount of dollars um when we don't pay our comedians and we make double uh you know saying that the highest paid employee and he quoted a number which was his math is pretty good but he pretty much released what my salary was yeah <laughs> again tacky it's just yeah. like which uh yeah i get but you know he wants the 
you know, he likes seeing the, he likes reporting on the idiosyncrasies of our business. But at the end of the day, we are a business. I mean, as much as we want to call this an art form, it's not, an, uh, for, for me, look, we're not the Smithsonian. We're not curating fucking Monet's. We're curating people telling dick jokes. Yeah, you're ultimately and, selling drinks and tickets. And yeah, yeah, we're a bar that happens to have comedy. To be honest but, with you, it's funny and, when I when I read Seth's article, and I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I, I apologize. No, please. But when, yeah. when I read what he was saying about you know the whole the whole money thing and in the club, I I took it more as he was kind of coming down or making making really shitty accusations on Donnie. Yeah. That he was, you know, take you know, he got the PPP money or the state of your stage money and was like using it to line his own pockets. That's that's oh. what I took out of his um his piece when I read it. I didn't I didn't, you know, because I you know obviously I know the inside a little bit. So mm-hmm. I knew that that clearly wasn't the case, but and where the you know where the money probably was going to support the the few employees that the club has at the time. Sure, PPP actually went directly to the employees. Right, they got PPP from 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 Donnie while we were out, and which he didn't have to. I'm only a contractor. Sure, I do not. I, I I'm not. I don't take a salary. I am a contractor um, at the time. You know, um, but I am and, contracted X amount of dollars a year. No, yeah. right. But that's but how the, I read the it. comedians like, and the comedians aren't employees. No, they're not. So what right. we essentially did with the rest of the PPP money was we did shows across this great city, over 500 in total, and we used some of the money that we had from PPP to pay our comedians regular rates, $25, $50 a spot. Um, and because these shows, we weren't, we weren't selling tickets. They were suggested donations. And mm-hmm. as much as you would see 150 people out on the, the lawn or in, at uh, Sheep Meadow, they didn't all pay. They kind of stumbled across it. Maybe they Venmoed us, you know? Yeah. New York was very great. They were very kind to us, but did it cover our costs of having us to buy all the speakers, to buy the signage, to staff everybody? No, we probably much broke even on it, or we lost a little bit of money on it, but we kept people working and kept people laughing, so we were happy with that. So what he did was he essentially said that we didn't pay our comics, but which wasn't the case. We paid for every single one of our shows. Um, he used the, I had said, I was Jake Flores was another comedian who I like his tweets, but just is very wrong about a lot of things in comedy. He specifically said that, um, that, uh, he wasn't getting paid from the club and it was two years ago. And I said, I've been booking that club for about three years now. I've never seen your name on, a, on one of my rosters. And to be honest with you, like, um, because you don't have any credits, I probably wouldn't pay you, which isn't, which isn't the, the truth is that people like Aton Levine, who are great comedians, Matt Backus, um, they don't have credits, but I still pay them. Yeah. Um, I was just trying to get a rise out of, uh, out of <laughs> Flores on that and kind of came to bite me, but whatever. I, 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 I apologize for the comment and I kind of cleared up the matter. Hence but, the t-shirt, yeah. hence your yeah. t-shirt. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I mean, they, they have such a thing about pain. I'm not sure. Like, what also is funny is because you you do pay comics. I mean, there is evidence that you pay comics, but there's also never a thing of like, how much are you supposed to pay them? Like, so, you you have to run a business, but you also do want to treat people because you because it behooves you as well, right? 
to pay a comic and to pay them a sort of fair thing but you, right. it's not like you can give every comic a, a grand every time no. you know what i mean new york city has had uh, so there was a meeting of the five families as i like to call it years ago mm -hmm. probably about seven years ago where essentially ted alexandro uh was a very popular comedian in new york city mm -hmm. um he went ahead and he tried to unionize comedians which yeah. is in theory a very good idea because it is the only art form. It's like, but it's the same exact thing as if you wanted all recording artists to kind of unionize. Like it's it's very tough to. You have mm -hmm. to set up qualifications for these. Well, anyway, at the end of the meeting, they decided not to unionize, but there were standard rates that were put in. And during pandemic, there's no way that we could get to these rates. With current sales right now, there's no way we can pay, still pay these rates. So um, I know a couple of clubs, including my, ourselves, we're not paying the regular rates that it used to be, but it's mm -hmm. a different world now. Right. Um, so I don't know. Um, I think there needs to be another meeting on what needs to be done, but I think most comedians understand that we can't pay these rates yeah. quite yet. So I don't know. Um, we're at least giving them other opportunities. You know what I mean? Uh, to, to kind of do other things besides just our club. Right. Ted's a great comic, but I had a weird interaction with him last year. Well, not, not oh, yeah. even, well, remember when his SNL stole his joke? Yeah. I, uh, I sent him money and then DM'd him and said all this stuff that really sucks that this happened to you. I'm going to send you some money, you know? And he said, thanks. He said, it was like, I really appreciate it. Then like, I want to say two weeks later, and I don't have proof of this, but it's pretty fucking clear. The new, somebody stole a bit that I did and published it in the New Yorker. And I can connect the dots to where this guy would have seen it. I, oh, I, shit. I wrote this thing in Pepe Le Pew's voice of him giving one of the stock apologies, you know, for being misogynistic or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and somebody who has worked with friends of mine, produced their show, wrote their show, like did the exact same bit and sold it to the New Yorker. And I didn't do anything about it. I was just like, well, how do I, you know what I mean? Like, it just is what it is. Um, but I just, cause I was like, oh, maybe Ted will, you know, connect with this. And uh, he, I, he left me on red. <laughs> he was yeah. like, I was like, oh, all right, you don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, again. Did you get your money back? Yeah, I, should, I should have. Oh my god, I should have. I should have fucking requested that money back on Venmo. Oh man, that'd have been, that'd have been great. Uh, listen, I, I think uh, honestly, I think that comics are very uh, underrepresented, um, and then when they do get represented, and when comics get positions of power or gatekeepers, you know, because of most comics, they want to kind of you know elevate their career. So it's very tough to kind of find that kind of middle ground. Um, but this idea that they don't need, we don't need comedy clubs. I mean, yeah, you can try that. We can see how that works sure, out yeah. for you. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, like, I mean, until you can kind of break the mold, which is happening a little bit. I think, I think a lot of showcases are leaving weekdays and staying in the bars. And most of the showcases, like, on, on a weekend, weekday have to be themed somehow. So we're doing some great stuff with all things comedy um, in New nice. York as well as Los Angeles. 
So again, highlighting great comedians that maybe you haven't heard of and kind of bringing them to on the stage here in New York, as well as Los Angeles. And then plus, uh, we got some great shows coming up uh, at Nightcap. Nice. So pretty stuff for it, man. Yeah, our first theme night is going to be pantsless. Oh, good. <laughs> nice. It'll, it'll play well in this era. Greg first. <laughs> Smoke Maybe you can jump him. in the pool afterwards, buddy. <laughs> Smoke him if you got him. You'll get canceled real quick after that. <laughs> Come for a nightcap. Pantsless. <laughs> but yeah, we're trying to do as much as we can. I mean, somewhat damaged, really. Uh, I have a lot of fun with it. I mean, I enjoy talking with Greg and Greg's a great kind of like leader for, 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 for the show. And he's been fucking putting together some really cool things. Like, I don't know what I was going to do next, but mm -hmm. I think I kind of do now, you know, and I'm hoping that this kind of brings us in a great direction. We have some awesome guests we've had on the podcast. I think uh, we had some, we had a guy from Amber, Amberlynn on, Last week, we I thought you were going to say an Amber Alert. We had somebody from an Amber Alert on. <laughs> we were talking to him yeah. live on 80. We had the Amber Alert guy from the 405. Remember him? We got him. We got God. Him. But yeah, we got some people from sports coming on as well. So we got some awesome people coming up on the podcast. Greg, who else we got coming up? Oh my God. I don't even know. I can't keep who we've recorded. Um, Craig Gass will be on yeah, Craig soon. Gass. Oh, don't we, can, can we announce that? Can we oh, announce this. that one name? Who? At the end of September. What's the end of September? Come on. Yeah, I guess announce <laughs> it. Go for it. Remind to me. Give us any name. <laughs> Anthony Scaramucci. Oh, Scaramucci. Yes. Oh, nice. We have Anthony Scaramucci. So the Mooch. Yeah, wow. the Mooch. Um, he, I, I had him on last year too. He, he is one of the most fun interviews like mm -hmm. you know there's people out there that'll they say oh he'll do anything i anthony will do anything <laughs> as evidenced <laughs> by being on my last podcast the mangina dialogues <laughs> right um but he's a whole lot of fun like and obviously a tremendous wealth of knowledge you know comes and, he, and he's very funny like that was the whole purpose he's he's got quite the sense of humor to talk about yeah, he was pretty good on real time when he was yeah. on there. Oh, he's great. He's great. And he's a good dude. He's a really, really nice guy, which is which will be fun. So yeah, well, awesome guys. Finish. That's cool. Well, um, I can't wait to see uh you both when you come back out to LA. We'll yes, hang out. Definitely. Gotta got fucking let's I want to get to this brunch spot that you're telling us about. Did you hear about this? It's like a latke with smoked salmon, caviar, and a poached egg. Oh, it's the best. Where, where, where? What is it? Uh, it's called Republique. It's uh, we got to get up early. We got to get, we got to be there by nine. Place gets too. So busy. does the uneducated call it Republic? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, if you come in from, if you come in from Orange County, you're calling it Republic. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Hey, who? I can do LA jokes now. And yeah, California nice. Jokes. Yeah, there, there you go. <laughs> I, um, I will definitely be probably still up from the night before, so not yeah, a problem. Perfect. I won't be perfect. hungry, it's but. <laughs> It's it's the perfect uh, still in the bender meal. I want. You know, it's funny, great great caviar too. Um, I had I think it was at Bellagio, like where they've got like right when you walk in, there's like the piano. Um, yeah. They do this great caviar with like a gold flake on it and like on a oh, paper. Man. It's fucking unbelievable. So do you unbelievable? Do you, you may not remember this because it's it's actually a long time ago now. When when the hotel was called when they rebuilt 
what is, I guess is now Planet Hollywood or whatever it is, was rebuilt as the Aladdin Hotel in Vegas. Mm-hmm. In that mall with the fake sky, there was a caviar bar, right? And you would go, like a restaurant where all they served was caviar. So you could go from like your $5, you know, shitty sushi fish Salmon. eggs all the way up to, you know, beluga and, beluga. Then, you know, whatever. And yeah. I went into one day and with a buddy, we just drank vodka and ate caviar like for probably four hours. And it was, uh, it was like nauseating, but at the same time, <laughs> I want to do this like delicious. And like, it was almost like going to a ice cream shop and staying there for five hours, trying every single flavor of ice cream. Oh, I love it. I want to do this. It's, it's a good way to drop five grand and still be hungry. Oh, it was, it was <laughs> a lot of money, but we didn't really, we never touched the beluga because we that was obviously crazy expensive, but we got up there to some of the Russian caviars and, but a lot of it was like, you know, flavored shitty caviar, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but it was good. It was awesome, but it was expensive and hungry after. Anyway, so Mike, <laughs> thanks so much, dude. I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me. Of course, us on. man. Yeah, yeah thanks. totally. Thanks for inviting uh, me. To I will. Yeah, absolutely, Greg. Good seeing you. Good seeing you both. And uh, yeah, we'll check talk out soon. the podcast. We got a we got a website. Uh, it is somewhatdamagedpodcast.com. Follow mm. us on all that social media. I'm at b o r e a m a y o. Borromeo, please go do that. And yeah, shows uh, shows are all listed there for LA and New York. Yeah, Greg, you want to direct people? Oh God, same places. I'm embarrassed about my Instagram handle at the Gregalicious at this point in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you can find it there. You know, everything is listed. <laughs> so, anyway, that's it. That's all it. right, all fellas. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Mike.